Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 4th, 2008. For newcomers, look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find lots of older programs containing information which is vital to understand the system in which you, you've been born into. Those that run it, their agendas for all of the world and where it's going to. Also look into alanwattcentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download in the various languages of Europe. The transcripts of the shows I've done. And we are on one incredible roll but a journey this is as we reach a pinnacle, really, of science and its domination of the planet and everyone on it. The goal, of course, is to change everybody in the planet, and that's no secret today. Not only are they going to change everyone on the planet into a nice, peaceful, utopian society of masters and servants, new improved servants, mind you, Mark, two, three, four, five, it's up to you, your guess is as good as mine, uh, but their utopia will consist of really purpose-made individuals who will not be individuals. In fact, it will be impossible to even perceive of yourself as a separate, distinct, thinking, sentient individual. We must cooperate at every step of this program with those who direct it. And we are truly directed through all media, all information services, school systems and so on towards this one agenda. Cooperation is vital. And you look back at the 20th century when it really took off into overdrive with war after war, world wars, and then the separation of the planet basically into red and blue, or Soviet and conservative supposedly, or fascist depending how you want to view the same thing, because they are the same thing. They're two arms of the same body using the dialectical technique of conflict to achieve a goal. And they truly believe that using side against side will speed up the process of evolution. During that whole Cold War period, the financing through taxation was limitless, and the borrowing from the big international moneylenders was, was endless. The public accepted this because under even a Cold War, you're, you believe you're under threat of attack. So trillions of dollars went into research and development and nothing to do with beating off the Soviet menace that was guaranteed to come down in 70 years from its inception and merge with the West. But it really was to go into the creation of systems, scientific systems, to control the masses of people worldwide. And in every military academy across the Western world, it's taught to the officers that the way to end war is to simply eliminate the ability for war. 
That means all conflict even arising out of the individual must cease. To do so, you must dominate the individual and eradicate individuality altogether. These are sciences that are operating today. And I was looking into a site to do with DARPA on this technique which they're using and will be put through all marketing companies shortly and through all media shortly of reality augmentation, they call it. Rather than say they're going to give you new ways of perceiving reality, they call it augmentation. Reality is good, so is augmentation, right? Stand by and I'll discuss this after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix discussing what's in store for the public for all of us if the big boys get their way and in the past I've gone over some of the histories of this system which is all to do with domination and control I've gone through the genetic research and the various psychological and psychiatric institutions that work alongside this all to do with control of every individual on the planet and their histories in the past along this particular path and I've read, read articles that have, that have written their own major magazines and, and their, their mainstream big, big type of publications big thick books that most people can't even wade through to do with, with the agenda for peace on earth type of thing and it all centers on the destruction of individuality you also go into the United Nations and all the big organizations that also claim that individuality is the problem. And from their point of view, the top is masters. They're quite right. An individual is unpredictable. They want a predictable society. That's what the information age is all about. When you were hooked on the Internet and they gave you the Internet, Brzezinski wrote about it before the public even heard of it or could buy a personal computer. They knew that the purpose was to get you hooked on data. And they also knew the stages that take you through on the way to collect the data. Until you, were, you couldn't do without the computer, and then it alter it back to mainstream, which is coming. And you look into DARPA's website, as I say, that's working so hard on reality augmentation. In other words, they're going to tell you and show you how to think properly and how to reach the proper conclusions, the authorized conclusions on any and every topic. And so you have robotic people who will turn someone in who has a different opinion. Differing opinions, you'll note today, are not really tolerated very well. And liberalism, as it was brought through, under the guise of anything goes, is the most intolerant of all. That's its, that's its camouflage. It's not liberal at all because when it gets into power, it puts laws out to forbid you to speak about certain things or even ask questions on certain topics. There is no right wing nor left wing. It's just one agenda, which is all to do with the same thing. Total control of the planet 
the recreation of perfect slaves. Ideal design, I-D, purpose-made humans. And it's all over scientific magazines. It has been for a few years, but now they're really coming out with all of this. And the public, now that they're trained little by little towards this agenda, they don't think twice about it. In fact, most of the public are prepared for this mentally. They don't realize it's been done to them, but it has been done. And they'll accept it without a murmur, including the new types of humans that are coming along. So go into the DARPA website and look into the reality augmentation, and you'll find think tank and subsection after subsection all working on special parts of culture, individual personality, neurons, neurotransmitters, neural interfaces with computers, all of this stuff, hundreds of specialized departments with obviously unlimited financing to keep it all going with the main intention of bringing peace on earth which is total domination of individuality. Science, science and civilization and progress. Who decides what progress is and progressing towards what? Who benefits? You should always ask these questions instead of running out to buy the latest gadget or gizmo. It keeps us smiling for a few minutes as it programs us. And here's from the BBC News. Microsoft sees end of Windows era. Here's the part of the plan that they had designed before you even got Windows. Because they knew the phases they'd take you through, get you hooked first. Have you exchanging data, then gradually move into a new system. You'll need licensing and lots of bucks. Or else you just use mainstream. The cable companies are moving in to the Internet big time. Microsoft sees end of Windows era. It's kicked off a research project to create software that will take over when it retires Windows called Midori. Midori is green in Japanese, but that fits in with the greening, doesn't it? The cut-down operating system is also the sacred color of international communism. Red was for the actual revolutionary phase. Green is the sacred color. The cut-down operating system is radically different to Microsoft's older programs. It's centered on the Internet and does away with the dependencies that tie Windows to a single personal computer. as Microsoft's answer to the rival's use of virtualization as a way to solve many of the problems of modern-day computing. Although Midori has been heard about before now, more details have now been published by Software Development Times after viewing internal Microsoft documents describing the technology. Midori is believed to be under development because Windows is unlikely to be able to cope with the pace of change in future technology. This is very this is good enough for the public to believe that. Windows worked well in an age when most people used one machine to do all their work. The operating system acted as a holder for the common elements Windows programs needed to call on. And basically, through all this stuff, it ties down to this. He's saying the operating system is tied very tightly to the hardware, he said. That, he said, created all kinds of dependencies that arose out of the collection of hardware in a particular machine. If Windows ends up being less important over time as applications become more OS agnostic, where will Microsoft make its money? This means he said that Windows can struggle with more modern ways of working in which people
people are very mobile and very promiscuous, like their technology, their, their terminology, and the devices they use to get at their data, be that pictures, spreadsheets, or emails. Equally said, when people worked or played now, they did it using a combination of data and processes held locally or in any number of other places online. When asked about Midori by BBC News, Microsoft issued a statement that said, Midori is one of the many incubation projects, a lot of their terminology, incubation projects, underway at Microsoft. It's simply a matter of being too early at the incubation stage, I guess it means, to talk about it. Then they go on to virtual machines and so on. What they're really going to do is do away with memory and the hard drive system on your computer. Your computer will work like a telephone in a sense. You'll simply dial up some number and go in, and all the data that you use be held on remote servers. Therefore, all the data that you put into that is collected and made available to all government agencies and all the scientific organizations that work with them. That's what it's really about. And you'll be able to save nothing probably on your own computer down the road. And this fits well in with this new system, this, this Internet 2 idea that they're coming up with, where the big cable companies and the big mainstream news media are coming in to take over, they have to get first dibs, as they say, first grabs at buying the major bandwidth for all companies. And you, the little Internet user at the bottom, will have to pay to go into every site that you look at. It's going to put all the private sites out and under. Uh, that's obvious. Because now it's time to police it. Now that everyone's dependent on it and addicted to it, it's now time to police it and get rid of all, all the different ideas and theories about the system that are floating around out there, all the independence that's been available from different people over the years. has to be done away with now. They must speak with one voice, one propaganda machine, to the world and as I say most folk will adapt into the new system and they'll moan and bitch and complain but they won't give it up because they're addicted to getting data and now it doesn't really matter what kind of data or where it's coming from as long as they get data they pass their day away and maybe their night too so that's what's coming down the pike and most folk will go right into it, unfortunately. And it's out of the, the hands of the public. It was, it was never in the hands of the public to begin with. That's what we've got to realize as well. This was a plan, as Brzezinski said, to create a world-type society and also to program people along certain ways of thinking by making data more available to the whole world from really the same major sources. And it's been very successful. For the rest of the public, they're so confused with conflicting data, they're almost out of action, which makes them even easier to handle and manage. Nothing is given to the public along lines of technology for the public's benefit. It's for control purposes. And when you see the MySpace site and all that kind of stuff up there and putting up their daily diaries by children who have no idea what privacy is, and they think it doesn't matter. Then the Internet has worked very, very well for the masters who own it and gave it to the public. And those children are growing up, and they'll go through their whole lives putting everything up on the net that they do in their daily lives, 
to their masters so they can be observed and monitored and called in for reconditioning if they have wrong think or whatever it happens to be called. And they'll think it's all quite normal. And we have banks and banks of police trained to monitor the internet. They can't find all the pornos, but they can't find any of the pornos sites where they come from. Isn't that amazing? But they can catch other individuals who say certain things and so on and bring them up for justice just like that so instantly. And again, the people don't realize they're being monitored all the time. And again, the stage where they don't really care. They have lost their ability for self-preservation. The very thing that Russell and others talked about doing away with has happened for most people. Back with more after this break. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going over some of the pessimistic side of science. And believe you me, there is a, a very insidious side to it because, as I say, it's about control. Ultimate and total control. We better get that through our thick heads very quickly. These guys are on a roll, and they mean business, and they, had, and they have unlimited financing. All these agencies, they're now using terrorism as the guys to take every single rights away and they've done it already most of it, Britain just declared they've got 1,000 laws on the books now to come into any person's private residence 1,000 laws to choose from amazing, eh? and it's amazing too you're taught in history about revolutions and etc and rebellions when tyrants got too big for their boots and yet we're, going, we're living through a time and age when We've never seen such tyranny on a, a, such a scale because it's global. It's a global war. This is World War Three you're going through. This is the culmination of the purpose of World War One and Two to get us to this stage. And the big boys mean business. Otherwise, they lose it all. They mean business. We better understand that. Now we'll go to the, the calls. Now I've got Rick from California. On the line, you're there, Rick. Yes, I'm here, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad. Yeah. Um, can I can I talk a little bit about earthquakes and harp for a minute? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I went on. Uh, there's there's video online that I found uh, showing these like uh, these these lights, uh, like aurora borealis in China, about 30 minutes before the earthquake there. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And um, I because the reason why and, and see I have a friend uh, here or actually up in L.A who is uh, married to a lawyer, and she she had a meeting with her client. Her client's sister is in Homeland Security, and the client's sister said that uh, there's a, a massing, there's an amassing of Homeland Security people here in Southern California because they expected the big one in August. And um, mm-hmm. so I thought, wow, that's kind of strange. So then I went online, I looked up, um, I, lo- I did some research about it, and apparently in, in November there was this big drill called the, the Great Shakeout, the biggest earthquake drill ever, and with like all these different you know agencies, public and, and private and individuals, and and uh, I looked at the USGS. Um, they had these little maps there, these animated maps, and it starts on the San Andreas Fault, and it it's got it all planned out. It goes right up into Los Angeles, and then it just sits there in Los Angeles, for shaking. Oh yeah, well this is old stuff, and they'll, they'll play this up until they do the big one, mm-hmm. and they'll do it by the use of harp, and it, this isn't the first time. 
that people have observed these strange lights before the earthquake hits. Over, mm. They've had it in the States before as well. And remember, too, HARP does use the ionosphere yeah. uh, and, and simulates uh, the aurora borealis. They can, they can actually bring one on, in fact. I've seen a few amazing demonstrations up here over the years of HARP technology. And, and you can prove it, too, because you can turn on the shortwave at the same time and you'll hear it booming in and it'll cut out all other shortwave frequencies. You can't pick anything else up when, it's, when they're using it. So uh, this is old technology. This, this called the, the silent weapons for quiet wars. As long as they, they keep whistling in the air when you ask some questions and say nothing, the public will never come to believe that they're actually using this warfare technology. And that's what it is. It's warfare technology. Yeah, I notice that, you know, like whenever I start to, um, you know, focus on Africa, which is what I love to, you know, I love to focus on, and, and not, but that's just one area, but, you know, when I start to think about the world and with, with the, you know, long-range plan, then something comes up, some crisis comes up to, in, to interrupt my thinking, like, oh, you could be hit by an earthquake, you could be hit by this. I notice yeah. that when people mm-hmm. start questioning, suddenly they throw, throw a curveball at us, you know, to get us all off our... Off well, our... this is the time for crisis creation. Yeah. And you see, it's no different. See, if you're always thinking about someone being held in a terrorist prison and tortured through various torture techniques, sleep mm-hmm. deprivation, all of that kind of thing. You see, the world is a cage, yeah. and we're all in the torture chamber. And you, when you hear terror, terror, fear, fear all the time, then you eventually crack up. You crack down, you crack down, you become more suggestible, more suggestible, and propaganda works much better on you, and can be easily guided and led they're using the same techniques outside of the prison, and the world is now the prison itself. That's, yeah, it's, that's what they're doing. I see what you mean by it's a war. It's a World War Three. Really, we, I was thinking about that this morning. It really is a, a global war. Mm-hmm. All it right, is. Alan. Well, yeah. well, thank you very much for for letting me air that. You know, so yeah. All right. And thanks for calling. All right. Well, I've got Rose from Georgia. Are you there, Rose? How you doing? Not so Can you bad. Hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just thought I'd give you a call and let you know what's going on down this neck of the woods as far as what I've been noticing. Um, have, would you agree that this has been the weirdest summer? <laughs> oh, yeah. The weather? Oh. Yeah, I, I, I haven't had, well, actually, the last two days are probably the first two sunny days since April. Oh, my God. We get sun, but it's like clockwork. Yes. Clear blue skies in the morning. Mm-hmm. Afternoon, you know, you, I'll be driving to work. There they are. They're striping up the skies with their spraying. Yep. You know, lunchtime, the skies are all mushy looking. I get out, then we got these pink, weird, you know, fake looking clouds, mm-hmm. and the sky is kind of weird. And it looks, and it's really strange because I'll be driving home, and it's a God, it looks like like it was a fire somewhere because everything's smoky looking. Yes. Yeah. And nobody notices, you know. And then no, I thought, no, they don't. Well, today, I, so today I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the at a red light. I'm just looking at, you know, I'll look at the cars and look at people and see if they even look at the skies at all. They never do. And there's one person, he's, his eyes are up in his head and he's talking on the phone. And another lady, she's looking down and she's filling with some electronic gadget in her hand. Yeah. I got the music. I, yeah, but I, I come I back after the music? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Wallace and Mrs. Cutting Through the Matrix. And we're talking to Rose from Georgia about the amazing clockwork weather we've got. We've got the same thing in Canada for a month and a half there. The clouds have come over about midnight. Stay, stay all night long. You'd have it during the day. It would clear up for one hour in the afternoon, cloud over again, rain, and then go back to clearing up for about an hour or so at night. Night after night, day after day, same same clockwork. It was amazing. Yeah. You still there, Rose? I'm still here. Anyway, yeah. the, the real reason I called was um wanted to share a little something with you um, tonight. I don't normally do this because anything that has government attached to it, I don't even look at it anymore because it's mm-hmm. all a bunch of propaganda. But anyway, I watched a little six-minute MSNBC news clip. Um, I got it through Brass, Brass Check TV. And it was really funny. Now, you had this anchor woman. She's dressed in drab colors. She's got a hairstyle reminiscent of the 40s, okay? She's got a beaky nose, talking through the side of her mouth. I swear, she could, she looks like somebody who could have been a spokesperson for, you know, the Hitler regime. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, seriously, that's what she looked like. Okay, so now she's going to have this discussion with this law expert, the discussion on uh, prosecution of, of war crimes and torture for the, the Bush gang. And it was going to be done through the international court, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, she, she goes on saying that the, that the CIA confirmed accounts made by the Red Cross because they did some little investigation. They say, oh, yes, you know, it's all this torture and they're breaking laws and all that stuff. And um, so she gets this, you know, expert. Um, his name is Jonathan Turley. He's a constitutional law expert. And... Uh, it's really funny because she calls she calls Bush the torturer, uh, prover in chief. Okay, yeah. and uh, you know he addresses her by her first name, you know, and he goes on to tell her that the International um, Committee of the Red Cross submits a report to CIA, and he says that it's the that the Red Cross is the world's preeminent institution on the conditions and treatments of prisoners, specifically what constitutes tor- torture. Okay, there's no question about it, it's torture. Yeah. So here's the, here's the deal. She says to him, the question is, will the crimes be punished, you know, the illegality, all right? Yeah. And he says, oh, that's the terrible transparency of this whole use of lawyers, and it's an embarrassment to the whole bar, um, you know, uh, including, uh, he says, the Bush administration reduces the lawyers and um, – including the Justice Department, to a gang of shills and psychophants, and, and then um, they were selected to, um, to ratify anything that the, uh, the president said or wanted. Yeah. Okay. What, what they do is they go over all the laws that have been signed and treaties that have been signed, and they reinterpret the meanings of torture. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but here he is, he's saying, okay, yes, they did do torture. These mm-hmm. guys have got to pay for the inter- to the international courts, right? But this yeah. is what he does. He does a bait and switch, pulling everybody in. Yeah, yeah, you know, the U.S. government has gone down the tubes. They need to be punished, right? And it's them. And then he does a switch and says, it's we. Yeah. Okay? He, I, yeah. I paid attention to the change in language, mm-hmm. how it was Bush and the, and the cabinet, and then it's, then it's we. Yeah. Okay? And he says, I've never thought in my lifetime that I would say that we have we not Bush, we have become like Serbia, where an international tribunal has to um, come in forces uh, to apply the rule of law. So we've yeah. come to this ignoble moment where we could be forced 
into, we, not Bush, we, to be forced into a tribunal and forced to face the rule of law that we've refused to apply ourselves. He ends up like that. So he starts off saying, oh, Bush and, and his buddies are going to they're gonna burn on the cross for, uh, for torture, yeah. and ends up saying, no, we are going to burn on the cross for torture. Well, so, one thing's for sure, young, is the taxpayer will end up paying for everything. <laughs> Oh, but you know what they're doing? You see what they're doing? Oh, I know. They're, I know the techniques. They're, 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 pulling, they're pulling all the, the people who want to get the republic back, who've been trying to wake the others up, who are not, those people are not really awake. They think, oh, we can bring the republic back, right? Mm. So what they're going to do is say, oh, yes, yes, our government's so bad. We do need the international government course, to come in and, and, and yeah. save us from these mm -hmm. horrible war criminals. Yes. But there you see, go. the U.S. Well, must be submerged well, into the system worldwide right. to help everybody, create. Everybody's going to go, yes, save us. We want the one world government because they're going to save us from these war criminals. Yeah, of course. Because they are just. I know. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks I mean, for calling. I mean, it's so clean. How can you not see I know, it? but thanks for calling, Rose. Yeah. Thank you. And um, we've got Justin from the U.K. Are you there, Justin? Hello, Hello Justin. Yes, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Not so bad, yeah. Yeah, I'm calling from what's been a very uh, windy and windswept Wales for the past uh, few weeks. Oh, yeah. Perhaps approximates your experience up there in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I just probably want to old ground you to a degree, but um, uh, as per your recommendation, I've uh, actually just finished reading Plato's Republic yeah. about an hour ago. And, of course, um, it took me a while to get around to it, despite your recommendation, but... As you say, there's so much in there. It's going to take me a while to digest it, but yes. I've got to say thanks for your recommendation there. I mean, it's tremendous, some of the stuff that he talks about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was wondering if I could um, uh, uh, tell the, uh, the listeners one particular quote. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. uh, yep, yep. What Socrates telling Glaucon of the greatness of mind needed for the philosopher kings. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. He says... Um, do you think, then, that the mind which is not afraid of great things and can contemplate the whole of time and the whole of reality is likely to regard human life as of any great importance? Of course, it's blazingly obvious, considering the type of people we have in charge these days, but mm -hmm. I think it's quite, a, it's quite a blatant quote, but it's profound in what it says. I mean, when he talks about the whole of time and the whole of reality, I mean, it's I'd say it's pretty obvious, but what, would you, what is your take on that particular quote, even though it is obvious, I guess, in a way? Yes, it is. What they're saying is, see, the philosophy is that out of the millions or billions of people, there's only a few, what they claim, a few good men, meaning those who are godlike. Yeah. And, of course, Plato says himself that they're descended, the aristocracy of Greece was descended from the gods. And and there's and even calls the ordinary people its. They're not people; they're its. And so, therefore, there's nothing in the nature of things. And that's another term they use in ancient Greece: the nature of things, uh, to stop them from conquering everything in the world and remaking everything in the world. And actually, that's their mission: uh, to, to create, recreate everything that was left imperfect, as they deem it, which is man himself. A woman and and all their other kinds of life on the planet this has always been the same agenda and only the godlike ones will grab their godhood and use it that's what they mean by that and they use audacity and they're bold they will go ahead as knights do they're bold 
and they will grasp their godhood and use it over the inferior species. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So when that prophecy says contemplate the whole of time, it's probably in reference to what you have mentioned before, that the elite and these philosopher kings, say like, I don't know, a philosopher such as Quigley, is then uh, made aware of the history, the true history of the world. So perhaps yes. that's partly what they mean when they say the whole of time. The whole of time, yeah. Yeah. And, and that ties in too with Plato and, and his, his talk of his predecessor, his, his relative Solon, who visited Egypt and who came out with, the, that's where he found the Atlantis story. Uh, real or mythical, it doesn't really matter. But the Egyptians said to Solon, you Greeks don't even know how old you are or your previous histories. And that great civilizations had risen and fallen before and are lost in time, the vastness of time. So we're yeah. far, far older uh, than the Darwinists would have us believe. That was part of the trick of Darwin, was to uh, do away and uh, try and hide all ancient histories and claim that sentient beings only came around about 10,000 or maybe a million BC, which is nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. yeah. But as you say, an amazing book, and also he mentions the five regimes, and of course we threw the phase of democracy and into tyranny. It's quite... Yeah. It's amazing how he lays it out there. Yeah, democracy always ends up in dictatorship. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's great. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, here's the good work. Oh, yeah, one other quick question, if possible. Yeah. Uh, the grand or noble lie that he refers to, you've mentioned this many times, is also colloquially known in this translation I have as a true blue lie. Are you familiar with that term, or is that, that something? That, that's not? right, yeah. Do you know any background as to why he was called the true blue to do with the aristocracy or it was yeah the blue blood you, you see that they were very they were part of this ancient system that even Hitler talked about this ancient Aryan people this is this comes through all their philosophies yeah the, the Aryan people who were almost albino and you'll find that the paler the skin the more you see and babies are very prominent you'll see that the blue veins on the head uh, sticking through that means the blue blood in other words so that was a reference to the purity of race right yeah and the present day Greeks you see uh, came in much later the Mediterranean types moved into Greece much later and that's who now occupy it but in his day you look at the bust and the statues of the characters including Plato and they certainly are not Mediterranean types right Right, and one of the quick question about the complete works of Plato. Are there any other particular writings that have particular relevance to what's going on today? Or, is, or yeah, you, well, you find in Timaeus and other ones uh, that's always references to everything. Because you see, this is what is astounding: human nature and societies, and how they create civilizations, control them, all of that stuff, use them for warfare, for creating empires, was all discussed in ancient times. They knew all of these sciences then. And they knew how to give reality through religions, different kinds of religions to people, and how to even alter it and update it and steer it off into other directions when required. They understood humanity perfectly well. Yeah, Yeah, he does discuss a lot of the creation of culture and how people like um, those who uh, recited tragedies and poems should be licensed and everything. He discussed all that, so yeah. Yes, and musicians too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Music had such an effect on the young, it could be used for subversive purposes. But by knowing that, of course, they have used it in the past for that very reason. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't personally know what God is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I, I don't know what. Yeah. But I know that I, there has to be something else that's higher than us, obviously. But yeah. do I personally feel like I know what it is? No. And I feel like um, everyone else around me, they think they got the picture, and I'm like, you just have a prison around your brain. That's how I interpret that. Because yeah. you're telling me you have the picture, and you're the one that's socialized. But personally, I don't. I don't, I don't know what it is, and I want to know why. Why would mm-hmm. a deity allow this to go on for so, so long? Yeah, and, and, and why it's it such a miserable ending. And that, that even, even, I think, even Malachi Martin said that these would be the times that would try all faith, including his own. And he was a Jesuit priest, you know. So... Uh, uh, his only conclusion coming from his doctrine was that grace was pulled from the world and his excuse is the enemy or Lucifer would have his day uh, and it's so easy to see evil everywhere, it is everywhere, there's no doubt about it, we're seeing uh, the mass of humanity totally indoctrinated, attacked from their food, their inoculations, their propaganda their indoctrinations war has been going on for hundreds of years and the public didn't know it was even declared upon them most people and, don't and know you, what happened a hundred years ago. Yes, sir. Dr. Juan, most people don't know what happened a hundred years ago. And that just kills me. They have no understanding of anything. No, they, they won't, because they're too perfectly indoctrinated now. I'll be back with more after this break. Folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And before going to the next caller, you've got to understand that, uh, as I say, we've had total war, total war, declared on the public for the last few centuries, in fact, fairly openly, in their own writings, which were published up into the 20th century. And then a big lull through the Cold War, as the public were controlled and told to just be happy and play. And now they come back at it again. But now it's in the open, and it's got so many different names as to what they're going to do with us because we're so imperfect and can't be trusted, and anyone can be a terrorist, or you might become terrorist, and, or you might go off and lop somebody's head off in a bus or something like that. They're trying to tell you that you cannot have any faith and confidence in yourself, and that's why you must be altered and monitored and watched 24 hours a day. And we can't allow that to happen. This is an ancient battle for domination of every individual and your mind, or you might even say your soul, on the planet. And make no mistake about that. That's the goal of it. Wrapped up in pseudo-scientific terminology or other terms, it makes no difference, legal terms, whatever. It's the same battle for total domination. The whole genetic research project had nothing to do with helping people with Parkinson's or Huntington's Korea or paraplegics or anything, nothing to do with that is to do with control, to put into human bodies that which will control them, the predictable human. That's what it's all about. That's what genetic enhancement is all about. Nothing else. Nothing else. Because from their own books, they plan to do away with the weak and the infirm and the crippled and inferior and those with the poverty gene, as they call it. It's the same 
war going on right now and the public most of them are already conquered but changes in the world never happened and they were never brought about by the majority of the people in any era and you must remember that these people at the top are terrified utterly terrified of an individual idea that can sweep across the world and be communicated to everyone Nazi Tung said it himself he said he wasn't scared about weaponry or guns and cannons he was scared of someone with an original idea that could catch on like wildfire and hence the war to eradicate by all and every means possible the individual from the face of this planet they're so scared at the top because they're almost at the end of the road they can see their goal in sight and they know that it doesn't take much to say that the king has no clothes and I'm not following this parade anymore always remember that no matter how black things seem now I've got Matt from Florida I think we can just make him are you there Matt? yes Alan how are you doing tonight? I'm hanging in here <laughs> I was hoping I could get some insight and commentary on a particular passage from Thoreau's Civil Disobedience Mm-hmm. It is, uh, what is the price current of an honest man and patriot today? They hesitate and they regret and sometimes they petition, but they do nothing in earnest and with effect. They will wait, well disposed for others to remedy the evil that they may no longer have it to regret. At most they give only a cheap vote and feeble countenance and Godspeed to the right as it goes by them. There are 999 patrons of virtue to one virtuous man, but it is easier to deal with the possessor of a thing than the temporary guardian of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's it. That's a good way to, to finish the show tonight. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself up in, which is not a bad day in Canada, may your God or your gods go with you.